0: This is Eparian X, and this is the Candid Frame. This episode of the Candid Frame is brought to you by Squarespace, the beautiful and intuitive website publishing platform that allows anyone to easily create professional web pages, blogs, online stores, and galleries, all on a single platform. For a free trial and 10% off your first purchase on new accounts, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code CANDIDFRAME7. This is Ibarian and welcome to another episode of the Candid Frame. Now, there are a lot of genres of photography. But fashion photography is one that spurs a lot of interest. And I'm not sure exactly why. It may be just because we live in the cult of celebrity and we see all these behind the scenes videos of fashion photographers at work, or it could be because of shows like like Top Model. But you look at that and you go, wow, that must be a fantastic life. Jet sitting around, photographing beautiful women, and just living a lifestyle that is likely very different from the one that you're living now. And whether you're 15 or whether you're 35, it seems like it's an amazing life to be living. And there are a few photographers that are out there that are able to actually make a life as fashion photographers, doing editorial, and commercial, and advertising work. But it's not all that it might appear to be on the computer screen or on the television screen. And when I had the chance to talk with Lindsay Adler, I thought we would discuss just that fact. What's life really like? For a fashion photographer and many of you are probably familiar with Lindsay uh, she's taught a lot of uh, courses and has been a uh, presence at Photoshop World and she teaches her own workshops and her her work appears everywhere and she was just a lovely person to, to talk to and she was very generous and honest in her responses to my questions so I think to those of you who are interested in, in fashion photography you're going to take a lot from this conversation but even if you're not I think you'll gain a lot of insight into what it takes to just run a photographic business, which I think is really important if you want to make the leap into becoming a professional photographer. So, sit back and enjoy our conversation with Lindsay Adler. I have the opportunity to to see a lot of work from people who are aspiring to be fashion photographers. And one of the first things I wanted to ask you is that I, I'm sure that a lot of people uh get a lot of things wrong about what you do. And and I was wondering is there one thing that really sort of comes to mind that's maybe aggravates you a little bit in terms of you know people think you're a fashion photographer and they have this grand illusion of what it is, but if you could just correct them on just one important point what would that be? Well,
1: this one's an interesting one. Um Nobody out there works as a photographer that only shoots editorials for big magazines. Like no one has the job as, of I shoot editorials for Vogue or Harper's Bazaar and that's all they do. Mm-hmm. Because in case anyone didn't know this, editorials actually don't pay hardly anything. Most magazines pay you zero. So for example, if you get an editorial in, in Vogue magazine, let's say it's 10 pages in the back of US Vogue, they have a budget for the photographer for that day that they get paid like six to $800. That is for one of the biggest magazines in the entire world. Pretty much all the rest of them, photographers don't get paid anything. Um, so if you meet a photographer that they say they're an editorial photographer, that's the type of work they like to do. Um, so it's really funny because people think that shooting for these big magazines, you get a lot of money. No, it's, it's just actually about prestige. The stuff that pays well, kind of like any other photography job often, tends to be want to say boring but the less glamorous things you know like catalogs pay well and kind of more of my commercial portraits that pays well but the big beautiful glamorous things that's just about the love of the art you know that's why you do it because you have a vision and you want to share it with other people and the magazine is giving you an outlet to share that
0: well you talk about the reason to do that kind of work is is the prestige but there's a lot of work involved and you're a business person and one of the things I've appreciated about you is that you, you're very savvy in that respect. So when it comes to making the choice to to do that, how do you sort of quantify it? I mean, you, you say that it's because of the love of the art, but also in terms of a business person, you know, there I'm sure that there's only so many of those editorial jobs that you can afford to do.
1: So that makes that makes a great point. Um well one of the things that I've aimed to do, and it does turn into jobs, is I've I've shot editorials where I have a couple designers, jewelry designers, clothing designers that I would love to work with and I kind of know their style. So what I'll do is I'll plan the editorial using some of their pieces and in a style that I think appeals to them. So then once I get it published, yes, the prestige was nice, but then what we can do is approach those designers and say, look at what we've done with your jewelry, with your clothing. We love your brand and we'd love to work with your brand. And so I've actually had that approach turn into profit and turn into job several times. Um and so that's actually the ideal is that either you feature some kind of client potential client and then you approach them with the work you can do for them or ideally someone comes across your work and goes wow that that style that vision is exactly what I need to represent my clothing company or whatever it may be but um it actually pays off if you're smart about it and if you shoot intending for that particular client mm-hmm. you have them in mind and then you approach them and let them know listen Look what I can do for you.
0: So what would you say you're the sort of the balance, the percentage of uh, editorial versus the advertising commercial work that you're doing? I know it can change, but in general, what would, would you say?
1: I'll put it this way. Um, in a month, in a, when a month is, is kind of slow and I have more free time, I'll shoot more editorials. Because I can actually do editorials on a relatively small budget because a lot of times it could be just in the studio and uh, how it works on an editorial is I don't pay anybody um, and I don't get paid on, on most editorials. So what it is, is hair and makeup, they bring their supplies and they bring their talent and they're working in exchange for images and the wardrobe and the model. And so it doesn't actually have to cost a lot. The biggest thing that usually costs is if you rent a location and, and food and things like that. Um, Cause I've got the gear and I've got the studio. And so usually it doesn't cost much. So if I have free time, I might do editorials four or five days a month, something like that. That's a good month. I'll shoot four or five days for the editorial. And then um, the rest of my time is split up between planning those editorials and planning the client paid work. And that tends to be much more seasonal because it depends on if a client comes out with um, a new line that they need photographed, or maybe it's a reality TV star that needs their photos taken before the season airs or something like that. So it comes and goes and it's, you know, when I have more free time, I shoot more editorials.
0: In order to be able to do that, you have to be pretty organized. So were you always this sort of organized person or did you sort of learn it as a result of the fact that I really want to do this work and I can't be lax and procrastinating all the time if I want to pull it off. So I better learn how to be organized and coordinated and a a good communicator.
1: Well, if you look at certain parts of my life, I'm extremely disorganized. (laughs) Like, well, you can't really see behind me, but if you could, you'd go, oh, okay. (laughs) Um, I'm very organized more in the business realm. And what that comes down to is um, I was a huge, huge, huge nerd in high school. And in middle school and in elementary school. And so I gave myself much more to do than seemed like humanly possible. You know, taking a lot of the advanced classes and extracurriculars and all that stuff. And so I had to be able to balance all of those things right away. And I remember when I went to college, I remember thinking how easy it was compared to high school, um, which Mm. is kind of a, a funny thing. And so I've just been balancing a lot of things for a long time. But that being said as well, um, I also work with a good professional team. So some of it comes down to I've got a lot to manage but trusting that when I tell them what they need to do that they're going to show up um, prepared. So I don't need to micromanage exactly hair and makeup, making sure they have everything that they need and the wardrobe, making sure they have what they need. Instead, I concentrate on me and um, I also have people that help me out. Um, So I have a studio manager that I can – kind of delegate tasks to. And I also have a lovely intern who's actually sitting behind me who we've been training her up and she's awesome to help me get things done. So actually right now, um, I'm planning some bridal fashion shoots and I have her looking up inspiration images. You know, I love doing that myself, but if I don't have time, I say, okay, here's the feel I'm going for. Here's, you know, the overall look that I want. Help me find sets, help me find um, kind of styles. And then I can lay out a mood board to get prepared for the shoot.
0: The whole idea of you being able to do what you do is all about your your team and your ability to pick good, reliable people in order Mm -hmm. to get things done. So when you were first starting out, where did you find these people? Because it can be really hit and miss because most people think about all you have to do is find a good model, but you got to deal with a stylist, you got to deal with a person who does hair, you got to find an assistant. So when you started out and you were out there trying to make these visions happen and create a a photograph how did you find these people and and tell me what worked and what didn't work in terms of being able to find that that small group of people that you felt like okay this is going to be my core team
1: absolutely and the the core team is is what it is I mean I work with more or less nine out of ten shoots one stylist and nine out of ten shoots one hair and makeup. And I have a couple other people, but it's those people that you know, they're on the same page as you creatively. So even if you just give them a little direction, they know what you like. And so, um, you know, my makeup artist was saying that yesterday is, is if I give her a couple words of description, she already knows how I think and what I want. So it makes it easier. But I actually recently ran a workshop and I was talking about how to find models and how to find creative team. And it was really funny because one of the attendees goes, well, you're Lindsay Adler, it's easy. And I laughed at that because... I, even four, like four years ago, I had absolutely no connections, no team whatsoever. I lived in upstate New York and I photographed high school senior portraits and weddings. You know, I didn't Mm. have any of these connections. So I just started from the ground up and it was purely trial and error doing a lot of test shoots in the beginning where I'd have an idea and I'd pitch it and I'd invite hair and makeup and I'd invite wardrobe and I had, um, Several people along the way that I worked with once and never again. <laughs> like that's the majority of of people in the beginning. Because you test them out and they show up late or show up unprepared or they just didn't have the quality of work. And both Lisa and Griselle, which are two of the main people, and then I also work with Johnny for hair and makeup. So I have kind of this small core group. Between Lisa, Griselle, and um, Johnny, I found them all on Model Mayhem. <laughs> mm. And everybody thinks that that's so terrible and unprofessional, you know, like, Oh, you know, no legit people are in that. Well, guess what? We're all starting and growing. We're all talented people, but we have to start somewhere. So that's actually where I found all of them. And I found, you know, my, my wardrobe stylist, who's absolutely incredible. Um, I found her on Model Mayhem. And so I proposed this shoot, and we got together and what it came down to is I loved and, and just drooled over the clothing that she brought, you know, amazing, great variety, amazing quality. And then for me, she appreciated basically, oh, thank God a photographer who's organized on time, gets the pictures back to me when they said that they would, knows how to um, speak in a business tone to potential editors and potential clients. And so more or less, we just knew that we were a good fit from the beginning. So it's piece by piece. But yeah, it's nothing more special than just testing people out, even on Model Mayhem. And nowadays, if I if one of my team members, you know, they, they can't do the shoot and I need to work with other people, um, I'll look in magazines that I publish in often and I'll look at the credits for the different editorials and I'll reach out to those people and I'll try to do a test with them before I do a big important shoot.
0: You know, one of the things I've never heard of is a shy fashion photographer. You know, <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's an impossibility as far as I'm concerned because I think one of the things about being a good fashion photographer is being in command of mm-hmm. the set and what's, and what's happening. And you, you have all these people that you just mentioned, each with their own unique vision in terms of what they want. And you as the photographer have to be saying, okay, I'm the photographer, this is my vision. But it can be difficult for some people to be assertive in that way. So again, is that something that you sort of learned or is that something that just sort of came naturally to you? Or, And, and, and was there a particular experience that sort of crystallized that for you and made you realize that you know if I don't take complete control of this if I don't take command of this it's not going to turn out the way that I'd like
1: that's funny because I still struggle with that but I work on it because I need to have confidence in in myself and my vision but related to that is that on a shoot it's not just different people with different visions generally everybody hair makeup wardrobe model everyone's an ego (laughs) like everyone's an ego in the fashion world and I don't mean that as they're a bad person but they are someone who is passionate about their work passionate about their vision passionate about their talent and so they're always going to kind of push you and say you know their role is most important and so if I have a shoot where makeup just does whatever they want because they make the most avant-garde makeup and then avant-garde hair and avant-garde clothing it just looks like a giant mess because there's too much going on it's not elegant, you know. It's it's just too visually loud. The reason I actually figured this out wasn't about taking command on a shoot. It was actually in my editing. In the beginning, I was really insecure about my fashion photography because I was a portrait and wedding photographer, just trying to do fashion photography and trying to be creative. So I was deferring to my creative team, and I was showing them um, in the very beginning. I was showing them the edits of my photos and asking them which ones were the best, and I realized. They were all having different opinions, and all they were doing is looking at their piece of the puzzle. Mm. And one day, I picked a photo that neither of the hair, makeup, wardrobe, anybody had picked, and that picture became a cover and a double-page spread, and it's won Endless Contest, and it's been in dozens of magazines, and that's a photo that neither, no one on my creative team had picked. So kind of what I realized is that I'm the person with the overarching view of the entire thing? What makes it all come together for a powerful image? So that's helped me be a little bit more confident. But what I've also realized is sometimes you have to placate people. Like, I'll give good direction for hair and makeup, but if on a shoot, you know, the wardrobe stylist really wants to try something or the makeup really wants to try something, if they're really adamant about it, I'll try it, make them happy and then do it my way, you know? And maybe it works their way and sometimes it does. But that also comes down to preparation and having the mood board before a shoot, showing what the hair and makeup should look like, what the wardrobe should look like. And then that usually have an inspiration image of kind of where I'm ending up. So that's, you know, what I'll do is I'll take a picture of the lighting and I'll just have the model before she has her hair and makeup done. I'll take a picture of that and show the team. And for makeup artists, okay, this is the light. You see the feel we're going for here. So let's do makeup that matches that. And here's a couple samples. And for the wardrobe, I'm kind of showing that. So it's organization and then, you know, managing people. And uh, sometimes I feel more like an event coordinator because <laughs> I'm managing people coming together and I'm making sure that I tell everyone when to order food on time so that and then when is the end time and then making sure if the model's moody, I have to take her aside because if she's moody, then that ruins the whole shoot. And if the makeup artist feels like something's not right, then that's going to ruin the whole shoot. So basically, I have to be like a chameleon and adapt my personality to four or five or six different people on a set. Because if one person's unhappy or doesn't feel it, the whole thing falls apart. So it's funny because I totally interact differently with my wardrobe stylist. Then I do my hair stylist. Then I do the model. But I've got to put on a different personality to you know, figure out what's going to make them happy. So I feel like kind of a therapist slash event coordinator rather than a photographer a lot of times.
0: I can imagine you're so exhausted by the end of a shoot, not just because you were shooting, but because you had to play amateur psychologist the entire time.
1: That's so true. That's so funny. It's absolutely true. And, and usually how I shoot is, um, because an editorial, it's still going to take like, typically, if I shoot, I have a shoot at 9am, it usually wraps up around two, three, four, five, like depends on how in depth the hair and makeup and whatnot are. But like, 9am will wrap up around, you know, three or four. But because everyone on my creative team, you know, we're working professionals. We can't really take a whole lot of days to do these free shoots. So usually what we do is we do two full shoots in a single day because, you know, the day shot anyway, because we're getting together to do a free shoot. So usually on my call sheets, I'll have a call time of the the team usually arrives to set up around 8.30. know, model arrives at 9. We finish our first shoot between, you know, let's say 2 or 4. Then the second shoot will begin hair and makeup at 2 to overlap when I'm finishing up the other one. And then we'll go to 6, 7, 8 at night. Um, so it is 12 or 14-hour days um, when it's all said and done. And um, it's exhausting, but we're always happy exhausted at the end of the day. It's, it's great because since we're all creative, you know, at the end of the day – We pick each other up like I can see if, you know, the makeup artist dragging and talk to her and and energize her and they can see when I'm dragging and, and, you know, help pick me up with their energy. So it's it's a team helping keep everyone's energy going. Um, But in in the end, it's when I take a great shot and show the back of the camera to my team and they see that image that they know that's the one. Then we instantly have the energy back again, and it keeps us going. Yeah.
0: You mentioned a call sheet and, and a mood board. If you can explain to people who may not be familiar what those are, and do you put together a production book uh, for most of your assignments and, and how might you use it to sort of communicate with all the members of the team?
1: Sure. Um, I'm actually working on I, I want to be a little bit more organized in how I communicate, but in general, what I do is I create a mood board. And it's just going to be more or less, you know, eight and a half by 11 sized on um, Photoshop. And I grab pictures and I have a picture for the hair, maybe a couple pictures for the makeup, samples of the things I like for wardrobe, a picture of the actual model, a picture of the location if I have it. And then, of course, um, a picture of like the overall feel that I'm going for. So basically a mood board is a snapshot of how the entire shoot should look and feel. You should be able to look at a mood board and more or less envision, if you know the style of the photographer, where it's going. Of course, there's always surprises along the way, but that's a good way to make sure that the hair and makeup comes with what they need to be prepared and that everyone understands, okay, you know, my, my makeup artist always asks me, what's what's the feel? Because she needs to know how to, to put the makeup on for the lighting and for the mood. So it's basically a visual single snapshot of that end shoot. And then my call sheet basically has everyone's contact, you know, hair, makeup, wardrobe. It says the publication that it's going to be for. It gives a rough outline of the day when lunch is going to be. It, you know, it says where we're going to be, times that you're meant to be set up. And by the way, I don't give round numbers like show up at 9 a.m. I'll sh- say show up at 8.45. So it sounds more like you really need to be there. It's not the <laughs> quarter, you know, quarter of an hour, 8.15, 8.45. People think it's more scheduled and exact and so it just gives everybody an idea of the team that they're working with and the schedule of the day. For most of my shoots, that's the extent of uh, extent of the production book or the you know production um, information that I provide. However, when I do a shoot with a client, let's say you know someone for reality TV, like I'm also doing a shoot in the next couple of weeks for Bravo and, and things like that, there'll be more of a production book than that. So there will be things also like a style sheet talking about the exact breakdowns of the looks for that client the exact pictures of the clothing and what we're trying to achieve in that look you know is it supposed to look kind of business-like Is it supposed to look sexy like what are we trying to achieve with that image and then i'll have you know some more specific information like i'll i'll know what i want to get for food beforehand i'll have people fill it out like that much information because if it's a big production and you're trying to figure these things out last minute, it's very stressful. In the production book, you'll have copies of the permits and, and things like that. But in general, it doesn't usually need to be that big a production. The bigger the client, obviously, the more materials you want to have to be prepared.
0: And now I'd like to take the time to thank our sponsor, Squarespace. Now, once you have a website, you have to promote it. And one of the great ways to do so is by using social networks like Facebook and Twitter. And the great thing about Squarespace is that they've integrated social media into their sites. You can automatically import, sync, and publish to and from social media with a few clicks, dynamically refreshing your site content and raising awareness in your social circles. For example, you can automatically pull photos from Instagram into your site. You can instantly sync pages and galleries to Facebook. You can auto-publish new blog entries on Twitter. Social media buttons to connect with all the services you love are there through Facebook, Twitter, Google+, Instagram, Foursquare, Dropbox, LinkedIn, Pinterest, and more. For a free trial, go to squarespace.com forward slash and sign up for a free account. No credit card is needed. Just try it out and start building your website. Then if you decide to purchase it, use the offer code CANDIDFRAME7 and get 10% off your first purchase on new accounts, including monthly and annual plans. That's squarespace.com and use the offer code CANDIDFRAME7. Everything you need to create an exceptional website. You mentioned earlier that you really were doing more portrait and wedding work and that you were doing the fashion style uh, productions because you wanted to sort of elevate the, the look of your your imagery. Um, tell me a little bit about that and how you sort of segued into doing more fashion and, 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 you know, and beauty work because a lot of people probably would aspire to do what you've done, but what did you do that, that allowed you to transition in that way?
1: I, uh, I was in college and I had been shooting portraits and weddings for a while because, you know, you live in a community and if you start over several years, you start to build up your business and build up relationships. And I like the portrait and wedding work. But when I was in college, I had this assignment where I made an image that it wasn't art. Per se, like it was kind of advertising glasses, like these cool funky glasses. But it definitely wasn't a portrait, and it was the favorite photo I had ever taken. I actually still use it on my business card because it's the the photo that, for me, it, it represents the start and growth of my career um, and, and who I am as a photographer. But I took this image and it, I was in love with it. But I knew that it didn't quite fit the portrait world, and it certainly didn't fit the wedding world. And so. Luckily, I was shooting um, after college. I was shooting high school senior portraits. And what I would usually do is at the end of a shoot, I would say, okay, let's do something fun. Let's do something different. And so I would try some of those funky images and I'd get some props and I'd have some cool clothing. And so I would do basically what was expected at the beginning of the shoot. And then at the end, I would do what's exciting or honestly what I wanted, what inspired me from that person. And so I started to do kind of production shoots in that realm um, for engagement sessions. I started doing themed engagement shoots and where I would kind of find clothing from vintage shops and I would have props and I would do full shoots. And so, you know, I was like, okay, that, that helps feed my creativity a little more. Um, but I still had these fashion images I wanted to do. So um, what I did is I started to test really slowly. Um, I started to work with the local um, people at the hair and makeup salon And then basically, if there was a really beautiful high school senior that came in for a shoot, I would do her normal high school senior portrait and then ask her for free if she would want to come in and do a fashion shoot for photos. And so I had some pretty young girls that I got some nice photos of, a little bit more fashion realm. And so then I had kind of had a portfolio going that looked kind of fashion looking. And what I realized is that if you look at the portfolios of most models from model agencies in New York, if you look at them they're not crazy avant-garde high fashion. Most of the portfolios are natural lit pictures of beautiful girls showing a little bit of expression. Like that, that's it. And so when I realized that, I put together a little portfolio of just that and I approached the model agencies in New York. And I said, I'm a fashion photographer here in New York, but I have you know, some cool locations in a team in upstate New York. You know, would you be interested in sending me any girls for tests? And right away, several agencies said yes because I knew what they were looking for. They didn't need high fashion because mm. long story short, the high fashion stuff, the crazy hair and makeup, doesn't even look like them. And so they want pictures that shows them as a blank canvas, you know, shows what their bone structure looks like and what kind of emotion, you know, how they can emote for a shoot. And so I basically just paid, paid for the bus tickets to upstate New York for the models and they, and they came up and shoot and I just did some natural shoots and then all of a sudden now I had some real, real models. And then I kept the hair and makeup simple. And from that, I was able to approach some wardrobe stylists on model mayhem and some hair stylists. And so it was like just piecing it together bit by bit. And so to sum it up, the reason that I was able to move to New York is that when I met my wardrobe stylist, Lisa, she loved my professionalism. She also liked my style of work. And the fact that I respected that what she did, you know, I respected her art. And so she styles a lot of celebrities and a lot of athletes and a lot of musicians. And she said, well, you know, I enjoyed working with you. Would you be interested in in continuing this relationship? Would you like to shoot some of these athletes? And I said, absolutely. And so then she hired me to do a shoot for an athlete. And as you probably can guess more commercial shoots have bigger budgets. And so right away she was bringing me these shoots and I was doing a good job on them and they had a, you know a decent budget so I was able to move to New York after that you know knowing that I had the relationship with her so more or less the ability to move to New York and kind of break into money making in the fashion commercial realm was from a single relationship and so that's why I would say it's not about who you know like it's not like oh yeah my my aunt's an editor at whatever it's not like that who you know it's who you make yourself known to and the relationships you build because if somebody trusts you and admires your work and, and appreciates it, they help you open doors. So that's you know, really how I was able to make the transition.
0: And I think what that really sort of stresses is the importance that you have to be at your best with everyone because okay. you never know who can open a door for you. I, I, I see some people make the mistake of treating certain people with more respect or more deference and other people not. And it's like, you shouldn't do that because you're making a judgment about about them and that may end up biting you in the butt at some point or create an or create a missed opportunity that you'll never be aware of because you got to look at every opportunity as this could be the, the, the best next best thing for me.
1: Well, not, not only that, but it gets around very, very quickly. Like uh, the, the fashion world is very, very small in the working professionals realm, if, if that makes sense. You know, the people that yeah. are really working and interacting, you interact and work with everyone at some time. If people think that you're not respectful and that you're not prepared or anything, everyone will know instantly. It sounds like a big realm. And of course, there's a ton of aspiring photographers. But I, I know that um, I meet people all the time, you know, hair that's worked with Griselle, who's makeup. And then I meet this random manicurist that I work with who's worked with Lisa, who's my work. Like everybody interacts and crosses at some point. So if you're not a nice person, you should work on it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, you, you mentioned that, that that picture that you the shot in college is still part of uh, your, your portfolio. And you have this good story about a portfolio review you went through in which the person made a particular suggestion. Why don't you tell us that, that story and how that impacted how you saw your, your own photographs and and how that ended up changing what you do?
1: So I learned my photography kind of going through the, you know, professional photographers of America. Like I went to PPA meetings and I attended a camera club from my school and then I are uh, from my area and then I went to college for photography. But everything I learned was very much the technicals and how things should be done you know okay what's the correct exposure what is correct traditional lighting what is you know acceptable posing i learned all of these things and so right after college for a brief amount of time because i had studied abroad i I lived in london for you know a few months i had my portfolio and i got a meeting with this editor of a decent magazine pretty big and i was i'd been in london for a couple months and i'm like this is it this is this is going to you know skyrocket my career so i meet with this editor and I bring in my portfolio and uh, he sits down with me and I pass my portfolio to him. It's a physical book and he flips through the whole thing he flips through all the pages and you know, just looking at them slowly and he closes it and he passes it back to me. And then he looks up and stares me straight in the eyes and goes, I would start again. I would, I would, uh, I would do your portfolio over again from scratch. And I, I didn't get it. Like I was really confused what he what do you, what do you mean? Do it over again? I, I was trying to figure out like did the, the presentation of it. He's like, no, I would shoot everything new. You need a new portfolio. And after I mean, I've been shooting since I was 13, you know, I graduated college. I had already started a business. That is probably the most devastating thing you can possibly hear. And I just was holding back tears. And so I was able to ask him, I'm like, what's wrong with it? What he said to me is like, I'm looking at your portfolio and everything looks like correct. You know, it's technically correct. You know, your models look fine. Like the hair and makeup is you know, fine. The, the lighting's fine. The posing is fine, but it's, it just looks fine. It looks nice, but I review portraits, you know, and, and photographers portfolios. I don't know, five, 10 times a week. And the second you leave, I will forget you because you blend in with the crowd. There's nothing unique there. There's nothing with impact, nothing to make me remember you. So even if everything's technically correct, even if your pictures are beautiful, if they're not memorable, then what's the point of having a portfolio? And what's the point of meeting with an editor? You need to go make pictures with impact. And I was, you know, so I like left the meeting crying. I mean, they didn't let him see that. And I was like hysterical and it was awful. And so what I realized was that It was kind of a mix between shooting what I was always told was right and then shooting what I thought people would like instead of shooting what I wanted or shooting something more creative. So what I did from there was I shot one shoot every single week that was intended to be something that was creative or something different. So for me, that was every Sunday, every single Sunday, my creative team knew. And this actually, it started when I was in, it started when I was in London for that six months I was shooting and then. Eventually, when I teamed up with Lisa and I teamed up with other creatives, it was every Sunday we had a shoot. And so I'd figure out, what do I want to show this Sunday? I want to show, I know this lighting. Let's do something creative with that. And I'd, I'd use that as my starting point for coming up with an idea. Okay, I want to show this type of hair and makeup. And I'd use that starting point. And so I completely, completely replaced my entire portfolio, except for one image, which is that one of the glasses, within like I mean, within less than a year, for sure. I completely replaced it. And so now when you looked at my work, there are some sense of style and there's some sense of creativity. And, and if you went to somebody, ideally you know, I wanted to communicate that I'm a problem solver versus just, I have one solution that I know how to do. So it was actually you know, one of the most devastating things that ever happened. But half of me wants to release some of the photos that were in my portfolio when he said this, because I understand what you're saying. I see it. It's definitely changed my entire career by being more memorable just because of that. People remember me now because they see my work and it's different and it's not the average. It doesn't blend in with everyone else's.
0: Yeah. And I'm sure that people ask you a lot in terms of, okay, what, what, what is that? What, what makes that quality of the image just sort of pop? But I think what I'm hearing is that you were willing to put more of yourself into the photographs, and that that made the difference. And that's going to be different for, for each person. But I think that's what allowed those pictures to be more memorable because there was more of you in them.
1: Certainly. I mean, I look at so many other photographers' work that I, I love it. And you, I know every photographer does this. You look at another photographer and you go, oh my gosh, I wish my work looked like theirs. But if it's not you, it's not you. So there's some other photographers that I love that their work is soft and romantic and dreamy and every single one it's it's youthful and it's feminine and that's not my work my work is you know clean bold and graphic and, and that's that's me so I can appreciate it but I also know what's me and what I ended up doing was looking at my favorite images in my own portfolio and asking myself why they were my favorite images like was it the model was it the composition was it the color and so I I began to see common themes, common threads that I liked. And so I figured, well, I'll shoot more of that. If those are my favorite images, let's put that more. And it's not going to look like it's the same image or the same shoot, but let's get those same qualities. And I absolutely agree. It's it's going to be completely different for every single person. I mean, there's photographers that I love because their work is all vintage. Well, my work isn't all vintage, but I love their style because it feels like it's from a different era and and it takes me back to a different place. So each person's going to find... Um, kind of what their style is. And that comes down to shooting a lot. There are shoots where I've spent a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of effort that have never seen the light of day because the shoot didn't work out. There are a lot of shoots like that. And in these shoots, I shoot thousands of images, but you shoot it to have the experience. You shoot it to grow and maybe it stays in your portfolio for a week and then you realize, nope, you're just attached to it because of the effort. Um, So, you know, it does come down to shooting a lot. And for me, personally, that doesn't mean that I carry a camera around my neck, not that kind of shooting. It's more challenging yourself shooting. You know, I, I challenged myself. I want to do a shoot that shows this lighting. And I'd look up a photographer's light I love and make myself shoot that.
0: You've been on the other side of the table where you've been the person providing the critique for a portfolio review. So what's that experience been like? And what have you sort of learned from it that's helped you as a, as a photographer looking at all these other people's work?
1: It is very challenging to critique because it's not easy. Because uh, you want to give somebody tips to grow, and you don't want to make it, you know, like, oh yes, beautiful work. But you also don't want to crush their soul. Um, and so my my approach to it is everybody's portfolio. I look through the entire thing, and I try to find the common threads of what works and the common threads of what doesn't work. And instead of, I mean, yes, I'll critique certain images, but instead of critiquing single images, I try to critique, this is what's working, do more of that. This is what isn't, do less of that. That's typically my approach because, you know, ideally your best shoot should always be your next shoot. You know, you should always be planning to be, to be growing and creating more new work. So I'm trying to get people with the tools to get rid of what's not working and add more of what is. Although I will say in the realm of critique, I'm a little harsher than most people, not awful by any means, but I'm a little harsher because I saw how I grew from somebody just laying it out there for me. And I also try not to nitpick like little things like, okay, you have a blown out highlight there. That's kind of irrelevant to me in the scheme of it because everyone has to learn the technicals, but the things that make you a great photographer are more the ideas. That you're communicating, and that idea can just be something about bold color, or it could be a story. So I try to do that, and then give overarching views of um, entire portfolios, room for growth.
0: And and what have you? What have you learned about your own sensibility? Because I think there's, I always learn something about myself when I'm doing critiques, and I'm looking at other people's work. So what what is it for you that you pick up about yourself?
1: It's really funny because um, I try I try to separate my own. Style like the the things that I like and understand that everyone else is going to have a different vision that maybe doesn't appeal to me, but that doesn't make it wrong. Because if you look at it, I mean, there are some extremely, extremely successful photographers who, quite frankly, I hate their work. It's so awful. <laughs> but there's something about it that's appealing to that client. So if it's appealing to that client, then it's obviously working for somebody. So it's funny. I actually learned more about my style originally critiquing other people's work because I. I hate things that are messy or busy. You know, the more clean and simple it is, the better. And I like, if there's going to be color, it better be on purpose. If you're using color, make it communicate in emotion or let it control the eye. If not, make that picture black and white. Like all these things that I found myself saying, I'm like, oh yeah, I do that in my own work. So obviously if, if anyone's getting a critique out there, certainly pick a, a photographer who's going to critique that you respect their work because otherwise it ends up being kind of, pointless. And then, and understanding like, okay, this, this photographer over here, all the pictures they take are out of focus, but if it's on purpose, it's on purpose. Um, I forget there's a, what's the famous saying that like one out of focus, I think like, I can't remember who it was. One out of focus picture is a mistake. You know, 12 is a style. Yes. (laughs) And so I have to understand that as well. And that's why when I look at a book, I look at an entire portfolio because I'm trying to see what's their style and what are they trying to communicate?
0: One of the things that I observed is that uh, the people, uh, at least in the editorial world that you work with, really like working with you. Talk about those relationships because I think that that's that's important, especially those who are aspiring for, you know, editorial work. I mean, commercial work is is, is another beast entirely. But since so many people seem to aspire for editorial work, can you talk about those relationships and 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 when do you like them best? What do you think is sort of the best relationships that you have creatively and and personally with these people?
1: I often get asked if I ever take a day off (laughs) because I'm juggling so many different things all at once and I'm always working. And my response is that the days that I shoot editorials are my days off. They're the most exhausting days. They're the most work, but they're my days off because I'm working with some of my best friends and I'm doing what I love to do. So those creative days where I'm getting to express myself creatively and I'm working with people that all have the same passions, yeah, they're the days with the most work and they're also the days with the least work because it's all about what you think is work. It's, it's great because one of the things that's really important to this group of people that I work with is more or less, they have a very strong sense of loyalty. And I know that, for example, if my wardrobe stylist is given a job where she needs to find a photographer, I am the first person that she calls. And if my makeup artist hears about a job where there's a photographer needed, I'm the first person she recommends. And then if I get a job, they're the first people that I call. And so one of the things beyond even personal relationships is that we are all out to help each other grow because since we're a team, my growth is their growth and their growth is my growth. And so it actually helps you move up and bigger and better much faster than if you're trying to do it on your own and constantly working with different people. Um, you know, and, and personality wise, I mean, these people are people that I still like will go out to dinner and go out to drinks together even though we work together just for fun and we won't even talk about photography, but since we have similar passions, and we're also drawn to the same things, we don't need to talk about our work to be sharing the same love of life. Um, And so that's what I think is, is really great. It's just that kind of understanding of we love the same things and you know, we're all artists, you know, that have struggled or do struggle to make it in the extremely competitive fields that we're working in. And so we help each other out when we need to. And if I've got a job that just popped up and I've got a really small budget for hair and makeup, but you know what? I want to do the shoot. I think it's a good opportunity. And the rate is far below what my hairstylist, makeup artist would normally get paid. She'll still do it because she knows it's helping me. And I think it's a good opportunity. And and vice versa. If my wardrobe stylist has a, a really great opportunity for someone she wants to work with you know, I'll do the shoot for extremely inexpensive, you know, because it's helping her as well. So the relationships, I would say, besides just being my friends and and having an understanding, it's that we're all trying to help each other grow, and mm. it, you don't feel like you're in it alone anymore.
0: Well, my last question that I ask each guest is that I ask them to recommend another photographer for our listeners to discover and explore, and it can be anyone. It can be someone that you've long admired or someone you've recently discovered. So who would that one photographer be and why?
1: Okay, I have two that come to mind instantly. And so I'm gonna to have to go with the one that I've admired longer, um, which is Solve Sonspo. And the reason I'm recommending this photographer is we all have those photographers we aspire to be, um, and he would probably be mine. He, his work, I would say, is most similar to my style because I've grown a lot from him, it is clean, it's really graphic, it's eye-catching, the color is amazing, it's creative, but it's not so avant-garde that it seems unrelatable. Um, I know that when I've looked at some really creative photographer's work, you kind of shrug because it doesn't make sense, but his is just a, an overwhelming sense of, of beauty um, in every shot. So it's all Sun's bow, and it's funny because I will. I've done this several times where I've done shoots, where I had this idea, this concept, I've shot it. And then I come across a shoot that he did where it's very similar, like the same ideas, the same color palette, the same concept. So he would be my biggest inspiration and he is represented by art and commerce. So you can find his work there as well, but it's, it's endlessly stunning. Uh
0: So where can people go to keep up with all the things that you're doing?
1: Sure. My blog is the best place, which is blog.lindsayadletphotography.com and Anytime I do a new editorial, I post it there. I post behind-the-scenes videos, and I I do update Facebook. But my blog is where you can see any new shoots that I do. I share, you know, what was the idea behind them, and and why did I shoot that, and how do I feel about the images? So that's where you see it on my blog.
0: Well, Lindsay, thank you for making time for me this morning. I really enjoyed it. As we continue to grow the show and expand our offerings here at the Candid Frame, your support is invaluable, and you can show that support in a variety of different ways. You can make small donations using PayPal. A link for that you'll find at the CandidFrame.com website, where donations of $5, $10, $20, or even more are greatly appreciated and go a long way to helping us improve the show. You can also post reviews on the iTunes web store, which help our rankings and create more awareness about the great program that we offer here. The show's editor is Martin Taylor, who you can find at TheOtherMartinTaylor.com. Music is provided by Kevin McLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at Incompetech.com. Till next time, this is X Pirello, and this is The Candid Frame.